absolutely. I mean, it's it's so interesting, the domino effect of what happens, because the moment you start taking care of one aspect of your life, like the more that just transforms into everything. And certainly from the onset, this isn't something to focus on, but it's just one of like, okay, if you, if you've broken drinking, then you're going to start looking at like, oh, well maybe I should like clean up my diet too. Maybe I should start getting rid of my fast food. And then you've done that. And it's like, huh, I don't really like my job. Like I have this great body and this great mind. Like I should have a great career. And then it's like, also my friendships are kind of whatever. Maybe I should have great friends and great. It's just this like cascade of like no longer can you like tolerate these like areas where like one area is thriving and one's not. And it's, really beautiful and really wonderful how like just starting with one transforms into all these others and you take the lessons you learned in one and apply it to all the others welcome to the tribe this is your weekly podcast from tribe sober whether you're already sober striving to be sober or just plain sober curious you need a tribe you need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, tribe leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober podcast. My name is Janet Goron. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. To celebrate releasing more than 50 episodes of the Tribe Sober podcast, we're running a little competition over the next few weeks. All you have to do is give us a five-star review and a comment on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot of your review and direct message it to Tribe Sober's Instagram page. That'll be your entry for the competition. The winner will be announced in a few weeks' time, so please enter today before you forget. The prize will be a free one-hour Zoom coaching session with our awesome recovery coach, Lynette. If you want to know more about Lynette, just go to tribesober.com and hit coaching, which is under our services. This week, my guest is coach and yoga teacher, Will Black. He's a life mastery coach and a registered yoga teacher. Will was clever enough to realise that alcohol was not serving him at an early age and these days his life and work is guided by the ethos of finding balance. His mission is to help people to overcome their limiting beliefs and behaviours so that they can live balanced and intentional lives. I began our conversation by asking Will to introduce himself. I work here in Denver as a yoga wellness provider. And so my my journey as far as foray into sobriety really began um, grounding with fitness and meditation. And over the course of these last three years, that's evolved now into yoga, mindfulness practices, and really am working on helping others overcome their own journeys, break through their own barriers. And that's a little bit of the long and short of how I got here now. 
Awesome. So take us back to the the alcohol years. <laughs> what, what age were you when you started drinking, and when did you start thinking it was it was a bit of a problem? Absolutely. Yeah. I I guess as far as in the states, I started a little later. Um, I didn't start really drinking until I was eighteen. Um, and for me, it was really, really immediately apparent I had a problem. First week of university, I remember blacking out right away. And alcohol was very exciting, very intoxicating. But even then, there was this sort of like shock of, whoa, what, what happened last night? Um, but it was, I mean, it was really immediately as I was going into school that, um, I started having problems as far as really breaking a lot of my friendships, really dealing with a lot of regret and a lot of remorse in the mornings. Um, but for me, the one, one really hard part of the journey was just not knowing how to live without it, not really seeing any alternative to not drinking, um, really from the get-go, I was trying to solve these issues, whether that was blacking out or losing phone, losing my wallet, losing, losing friends, losing everything. Um, so for years I tried, I tried moderating, uh, whether that was having a glass of water in between drinks, limiting the number of drinks a night, having a big meal, something like that. <laughs> so many Literally. rules that we make up, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we do. And it's... It's so funny as far as we make these rules thinking that will help, but it almost defeats the entire purpose of what we're seeking. I mean, for me at least, and for many, I know that a big thing of it is drinking is this letting go, this freedom, this wanting to like live unconstrained and uninhibited, but you can't have that attitude and then also be like, well, I'm only going to have three drinks. I'm only going to have four drinks tonight. Those those two ideas don't work together. And inevitably, when I would set those limitations, set those rules, uh, I would always end up breaking them. Yeah, I mean, I, w I was the same. And, and it, from my perspective, it came because I just couldn't bear the thought of my life without alcohol in it. I couldn't imagine it. So I thought if I can just control it, because I am quite a strong person, I thought surely I can just control it and, you know, have a few rules, just, um, you know, only drink four nights a week and only drink three glasses of wine as, as if, you know, and it just, uh, because I think what we what we mean when we say moderate is uh, we mean control, don't we? We're trying to control it. Because I always say that people that can moderate and drink sensibly, they just do it. You know, they don't have rules. They don't even think about alcohol. It's not on their radar. I've definitely heard that described as far as, yeah, people people who have the quote unquote normal relationship, people that moderate, they're not, they're not even asking these questions. So I think when you're at the point of asking, do I have a problem with this? It's you do. Yeah. There's no, no other aspect. No other aspect of life are you making that that second guessing or there's no other thing where you're like, oh, I have to control this. I don't have to control how much water I'm drinking or how many meals I'm having. It's just it's like, no, these are just sort of built in. There aren't I don't have these other like, OK, I got to set X amount for today and I only and then I'm not going to go over it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think people that drink uh, normally, they they just don't get it. They think, uh, well, what is it with these people? Because, uh, yeah, I say to people really that if if it's on your mind, you know, that you're um, 
about your drinking all the time because some people say to me well I only drink this or that do you think I've got a problem and mm. I might not be so blunt but you know what I mean is if you're even worried and thinking about your drinking then you will have a problem because if it's making you uneasy and unhappy even if it's only one glass of wine a night you know it then it's you might as well ditch it Absolutely. I mean, I think the variation for what is problematic between people varies so intensely. Um, In some ways, I felt almost lucky that drinking caused such destruction, such havoc on my life, because it had all these very tangible signs of like, this is a problem. Like I was hospitalized or in the drunk tank or friendships were imploding. I think People that almost have it the hardest are the really high functioning because then it's really hard to know. Like if you're holding down your job and you have good relationships, you have a good family, like your your body is in good shape. Like if you're still feeling that, like I'm not sure if I have a problem. Like I I think those those questions are intensely personal, and then then that gets trickier. But I I. I do think inherently, like, if those questions are arising, those those moments of doubt, those moments of if you're thinking about this, I mean, I think that is just inherently pulling you towards your truth. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. Yeah, yeah. I, I was definitely one of those high-functioning alcoholics. I mean, alcohol crept up on me, unlike you, and it just kind of knocked you on the head straight away. But for me, it crept up on me over the years. 20s and 30s, I was fine drinking socially, you know, the odd going over the top, but, you know, not very regularly. And then gradually in my 40s and 50s, I started using it to self-medicate, you know, and I just needed that bottle of wine every single evening. And it was obviously getting very unhealthy, but it certainly crept up on me. Whereas I I share your view that you were actually quite lucky because there must be something about your physiology that, you know, you're you're not not made to be a heavy drinker. (laughs) The fact that you blacked out, were you drinking huge amounts or or was it a relative? Honestly, yes. Like I, I remember the first time, I guess, being in sort of like a counseling or therapeutic sense and someone was asking where they were like, how many drinks do you have in a night? And I was just like, I have no idea. Like, I don't know. I just keep I just keep going. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I really I mean, I, I, I come from a lineage of substance abuse of alcoholics. I certainly think there's a lot of my genetics that play a role. But yeah, I was also, I mean, 1,840 pounds. I don't know what that is in kg. But like, yeah, I was drinking with my buddies that are 6'2 and 2,300 two, pounds, like keeping pace. So yeah, I was I was certainly set up to, to fail in that regard. But um many, many silver linings with having gone through that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, it was, it was apparent to you at quite a tender age that you, what you weren't made to be a a heavy drinker. How many years was it before you stopped? Yeah, it was six, six years for me. And yeah, throughout those six years from the onset, knowing had a problem. And so the journey through those six years was, I mean, I I considered alcohol an integral part of life. Every social gathering, every friend gathering, every everything, concerts, weddings, 
everything alcohol was inherently tied to. So as I was exploring that journey, I never really considered that there was life without alcohol. I thought people that didn't drink were like, I, honestly, I thought they were like losers. I, I thought there was no fun if you didn't drink. I, I thought if you were doing that, you would be living a half-life. And so for the years of drinking, I really, it was how do I make this work? I thought if it was, if I wasn't drinking, that was something I was giving up. I thought I was like, well, I'm not going to have fun. I'm not going to have relationships. I'm not going to have friendships. Like my life is just going to be, I'm going to be missing out on so much. Um, And so I, I continued down that path for six years and then it was really at the end of it i was living in australia at the time uh super notorious for their drinking party culture um and i was having all the same problems the same issues and i just reached this point of utter burnout where i mean there was like if i can't do it here i can't do it anywhere and also just this knowing and this understanding of i have tried absolutely everything to make this work and it doesn't, and so now I need to do something else. So what did you do? The big question. Because know, knowing that we need to make a change is one thing, but we, a lot of us, we just don't know how. How on earth can we survive without it? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, for me, it began with, um, one, just looking to others for, for guidance and insight because I was like, I was I asked the same questions. I was like, how do you live without alcohol? How is it how is it even possible? Um I mean, podcasts, um web resources, some forums. I watched a lot of videos whether it was people a year in or several years in hearing hearing their journeys, their transformation of how they got from point A to point B. And that initially is what really gave me the inspiration, the courage, like knowing others had done it and that I could do it too. And so with that, there was this big beginning of this self-healing journey. Um, And from there, I mean, the two grounding forces for me were fitness and meditation. Like going to the gym was something I had done, done for years, wasn't a huge part of life, but I knew that every day I did that, I felt good. Like, even if that day was a wash, I was like, okay, I did something productive today. Like, I feel good about that. So I started with that. And then I'd also heard about meditation for years. So I was like, all right, I'm I'm doing this. Why not give this a shot too? Um, and so I began my practice from there. And then the next several years were just building and expanding from that foundation. And were you sober during those years or tapering it off or where did the drinking fit in? Um, For me, I was I was very lucky that when I decided to quit, it was over and done with. Um, I, I consider myself pretty lucky in that regard as far as I didn't have, I guess, strong pulls or strong cravings to go back just in that I... I, I knew I couldn't. I knew it was no longer successful. The um, For some of those years while I was still drinking, I, I would take these gaps. Um, like I remember first taking like a two-month gap from drinking, then a four-month, then a six-month. 
And throughout all of those breaks, I never had the intention of quitting. It was always like, I'm taking a break now. I'm going to let my system reset. And then like, eventually we're going to figure this out. When I really affirm that I am no longer drinking. Um, yeah, it was April 13, 2018. Uh, and then I was, and then I was just done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think those those breaks are interesting because I always used to do things like dry January and, you know, I'd get through a month or so. And I think, well, I can't possibly be an alcoholic because I can stop for a month. But the problem with me is I probably drank twice as much the following month. You know, I just uh, didn't really work. Yeah, those kind of limiting beliefs that you had, um, which which I absolutely shared about how will I have fun, you know, how will I relax? Did, did you manage to shift those? Did you work on those beliefs? I mean, it was, I guess, sort of like going through the fire of that because I definitely felt like that was the hardest parts of early sobriety. Um, really, that first year, I mean... Social gatherings. I mean, I dealt with social anxiety since I was an early kid. So then now going into social situations like newly sober, it was, I mean, it was just anxiety on top of anxiety. Um, I mean, initially I felt this great shame and this embarrassment. I felt, I felt weird for not drinking. So I would have like a mocktail in my hand. And if, if anyone asked, I would either be like, I'm just not drinking right now or not tonight, things like that. It would be really, really vague, really evasive about it. Uh, certainly very difficult to unwind, to be at ease. Like, um, my sister's wedding was four months into my sobriety. And I remember, like trying to be on the dance floor as someone who like, I don't dance ever. I only dance when I was drunk. I was there for like a minute. And then I was like, no, this is, this is way too much. <laughs> um, Same dancing, ouch. <laughs> yeah, not, not a good time in the early stages. Don't know that I would recommend. Um, but, but I, th I think you, you did it the right way because you just forced yourself. You know, it's no good becoming a recluse. We just have to get out there and do it and be be uncomfortable for a few months. And then it, it it's okay, isn't it, eventually? Absolutely. It's, it's just like anything where initially it's really hard, it's really uncomfortable, and then you get used to it. And the more you do it, the more you practice it, the easier it becomes. Um, I mean, I, I remember initially being like, what, what am I going to say to someone when they're like, like, you don't drink or why don't you drink? And it's honestly, it's just the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Like, yeah. I mean, especially three years in now, I mean, different in this whole pandemic world where social gatherings aren't, aren't really a thing, but, um, I mean, yeah, now it's now being at a party, even everyone's drinking, everyone's there, like meeting a total stranger and they're like, you don't drink. And it's like, nope. And then I don't know. It's, it, it just becomes easier. The more, the l longer it goes on, the more that became an integral part of my identity, the more that became something I was proud of. And when you're proud of the things you've cultivated within yourself, the more the more you're willing to share it and the more you let go of other people's judgments and what yeah. they what they might think. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I think that early um, stage, I mean, I, I was just like you, I always felt really embarrassed, you know, <laughs> felt like some kind of freak. But I would apologise and I would pretend that I was drinking alcohol. And it's it's mad, isn't it? I always say it's the only drug we have to justify not taking, you know, because it's, it's just the way society is set up, isn't it? But gradually, as, as we relax and start to reinvent ourselves, if you like, you know, like you, I'm really proud of what I've done because it, it's been very difficult. You know, but we've done it and most of the population wouldn't even consider doing it. Never mind, do it. <laughs> oh, 100 percent. I mean, there are people where the I mean, the dry January, the sober October, that's like this monumental uh, like break. And some people get like a couple weeks into that before they're like, no, nah, I'm not doing this anymore. So, yeah, it really, it really is something. I mean, the amount of people that that relapse or go back. So, yeah, if you were in that group that decided to quit and has stuck with it, I mean, that is that is a huge, huge shift, huge thing to be proud of. Honestly, any any sort of limitation, whether that's addiction or a mindset or a bad habit, like I mean, so many people know that they're they're not doing what they need to they're like something like cigarettes but like how many actually like put it down stop like that is that is a really select few and that's that is a great community to be a part of yeah yeah so three years in now will how, how do you feel I feel great. I mean, it's it is weird as far as it's become such a normalized like new part of life like I mean, looking back on what life used to be, I mean, they just they just feel like two entirely different people. Um, it's really interesting going back, revisiting my mindset back then, revisiting what life was. Um, but yeah, I'm I've life life has absolutely never been richer, never been better. Wonderful. Well, well done you for for making such a sensible decision so early in life. You know, <laughs> it took me a, a lot of years to to get where where you've got already. So let's um let's talk a bit about the yoga. You were doing yoga while you were drinking, were you? I mean, I was. I do yoga, and I would go to my yoga class with a hangover and do all the poses and think, "Oh well, I've I've worked off last night's session." <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I I did not do um, yoga when I was drinking. Um, I I certainly did a little strength training when I was drinking, not not together, not simultaneously, but yeah, sometimes maybe to help burn off or help through those hangovers. Um, yoga I found, um, back in 2019, I, I had been to a few classes before. Sometimes I, I felt like it was a good compliment to strength training as far as mobility. Um, but yoga, I stumbled onto really almost sort of randomly. Uh, I was just, I was doing a sales job in the afternoon and so I needed something in my morning. So I enrolled in this yoga teacher training. Um, but yoga really took hold of me as far as being the synthesis of a lot of passions I'd been cultivating as far as um, physical conditioning, mindfulness, spirituality, community. Um, yoga was this realm, this tradition where they all sort of came together in this one cohesive practice. Um, so I found I found yoga. I was immediately really transfixed, really really hooked by it. I spent a good time just sort of 
developing my practice, really exploring um, some of the text, some of the traditions. And then as as the pandemic was beginning, I, I started teaching. And then that's that's sort of the path I've been on ever since. So you teach online? Yeah, I teach uh, on online through Zoom. And then I also teach here in Denver uh, in person at a few different locations. Okay. So you do have yoga classes now. You're you're allowed. You're socially distanced or, yeah, or not um, even? Uh, I'm very fortunate. Uh, two of two of the gyms I teach at it's it's a full full masked full uh, class. Everyone is six feet apart and separated. Um, but we have we have in person classes. We've been doing that since last last fall. Um, so that's really awesome. Okay. And then, yeah, still still a lot of especially corporate and private people want to do it through Zoom and happy to teach that way as well. Yeah, talk to me about the corporates. I'm quite interested in that because I remember working in a corporate and saying, uh, oh, I think we should have yoga classes here so we can go during our lunch time. That would be so cool. And they were like, no, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Are corporates getting a bit more open? Because I think it's got huge benefits for employees. Oh, absolutely. I mean, corporate wellness has definitely been something on the rise um, as early as like the 90s. You've started seeing programs, um, but especially last year with people working at home, working remotely, like mental health has just become such a big new uh, topic of consideration. Um, and yeah, corporate corporate is really, really lovely. Um, we've done it uh, at the beginning of the day, um, just sort, of, sort of to jump things off. Lunch is another good opportunity or end of day. Um, but typically I work with companies on uh, multi-week or multi-month uh, contracts and it's generally um, one or two classes a week either doing a full flow like vinyasa hatha yin or also do a lot of work with yoga nidra which is similar to guided meditation where you're moving a little bit at the beginning and then you're more lying down going through this expansive journey through a meditation yeah, I agree that the the meditation has quite a role to play because when when we're drinking, it's as if we don't want to be in the moment, do we? We we numb ourselves. We almost want to remove ourselves from from what's going on. So the mindfulness and meditation, it's it's the opposite, isn't it? It's all about being present. It is honestly. There's there are these odd odd overlaps because in. In a lot of meditation, you're getting to that still mind. You're chill, or you're distilling, slowing down your thoughts, really getting to that place of calmness. And honestly, I think a lot of drinkers are going for the same thing. It's just one is this immediate chemical trade-off, and that has a price to pay. And meditation is this honed practice where you have to you have to commit, whether that's daily, weekly. I mean, the, the more you do it, the more you're going to get from it. Um, but either way, you're going for this, this, the calming of the minds, calming of the thoughts. Um, but when you practice meditation, that's a honed skill that you get throughout your day to day. Like you learn to be more present with your thoughts. You learn to be more mindful. You learn to move through those worries, through those anxieties. And with drinking, I mean, you get that for however long you're drinking. And then you also get this massive hangover or yeah. even worse. Um, so yeah, it's sort of, one is like 
the short path with with all of the negative drawbacks that come with and one is more more of a hard-earned journey but then you get to reap all the rewards and you get it for life forever so yeah it's really like night and day as far as the difference is yeah that's a beautiful description so in our, in our community when we help people we say that we help them in two stages first of all we help them quit the drink you know because that has to has to go and then we want to help them to thrive in their alcohol free life and we recommend you know yoga mindfulness meditation as part of that thriving so would you like to explain uh, why it helps in early sobriety and indeed as we go on as as alcohol free people Absolutely. I mean, one of one of the big keys in quitting drinking is you absolutely need to replace it with something else. I mean, that that doesn't have to be necessarily one thing. In fact, I think having lots of practices, whether that's yoga, meditation, other physical activities, I think have having a variety of different sources to draw on is so critical. But essentially, as far as what's going on within your brain, I mean, alcohol is giving you dopamine, it's giving you pleasure, it's giving you all these things. So when you take it away, like your brain is in this like deprived state. And so you need something that's going to counteract that, bring it back. So yoga and other physical activities, I mean, those are going to help rebuild, like give you more endorphins, give you more dopamine. And then meditation is really going to help you through the mindful aspects of it because, I mean, most, most, most drinkers are drinking for a reason, whether that's you're feeling anxious in a social situation or you're lacking confidence. So alcohol helps you uh, lower those inhibitions or, or whatever your reason is for drinking. So meditation allows you to really become more of a third-party observer of your thoughts like going through the, I mean because part of the journey is going through those difficult moments of I'm I'm uncomfortable right now I don't I don't like being in this room I don't know I don't I don't know these people I don't know how to handle like I'm a non-drinker they're drinkers so meditation allows you to hold that that space it allows you to be calm. It allows you to feel grounded and centered. And so then you can feel like I'm uncomfortable here, but I'm going to go through anyway. And I'm uncomfortable, but I will survive this and I will be better for it. And the more you combine these practices, the more you tune into your body, the more you tune into your mind, the better and the easier these become and the more self-assured and the more confident you become. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. Yeah, that, that's beautifully explained. We, we always say we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because <laughs> <laughs> when we drink, you know, the minute we feel uncomfortable, oh, we, we just chase that away, don't we? So it's, uh, it's quite a new experience for some of us. 100%. I'm, any, any new venture, everything in life has has that uncomfortability that that resistance and with drinking we think we can escape that but it's not true you you can't escape it it's just a fundamental quality so it's 
sort of like learning how to be with that resistance I is real really key really crucial yeah and I think uh, developing say a yoga practice for example and getting better maybe becoming a teacher like yourself it it gives people a purpose doesn't it because I think you know we can't just get sober and then leave everything the same we've got to have goals you know we've got to have a purpose we had our purpose to get sober now we've done that but if it's going to be sustainable we need something else you know something more worthy to to be chasing absolutely i mean it's it's so interesting the domino effect of what happens because the moment you start taking care of one aspect of your life like the more that just transforms into everything. And certainly from the onset, this isn't something to focus on, but it's just one of like, okay, if, you, if you've if you broken drinking, then you're going to start looking at like, oh, well, maybe I should like clean up my diet too. Maybe I should start getting rid of my fast food. And then you've done that and it's like, oh, I don't really like my job. Like I have this great body and this great mind. Like I should have a great career. And then it's like, also my friendships are kind of whatever. Maybe I should have great friends and great like... It's just this, like, cascade of, like, you just, it like, no longer can you, like, tolerate these, like, areas where, like, one area is thriving and one's not. And it's really beautiful and really wonderful how, like, just starting with one transforms into all these others. And you take the lessons you learned in one and apply it to all the others. It's, it's absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's magic because if you're drinking every night, you, you, you do things like stay in relationships that aren't good for you and stay in jobs that you don't really like because it's, you just numb it all away in the evening and then get up and go and do it all again the next day. So it, it just allows you to, to think. I got such kind of clarity of, of thought when, when I stopped drinking. I started seeing things so differently. Okay, so, Will, imagine there's someone listening to this that um, knows that they drink far too much and they'd like to stop, but they, they just don't know how to get started, what to do. Any, any tips for them? Absolutely. Um, I would say from... From the get-go, mentors, others who have done it are the best people to turn to. Those who have completed the journey, those who know the steps, they're the ones who are going to help you avoid mistakes, learn learn what you need to do, learn the survival instincts, learn what's going to help you thrive and live a truly wonderful, abundant life. So... I would say resources like this podcast, other recovery podcasts. Um, there are ton, tons of books written on sobriety. Um, I'm a big fan of, there's a forum on Reddit, R Stop Drinking. It's a really beautiful, wonderful, supportive community as far as different resources, different things. Um, and that's international, available to everyone. Um, plenty of local community organizations. Uh, I, for one, I teach yoga at the Phoenix. Um, I, I'm not sure if it's international, but they provide, uh, fitness classes like yoga, CrossFit, bo- kickboxing, things like that, uh, free for anyone in recovery. And then outside of that, I mean, there, there are also coaches, people you can work one-on-one with, therapists. I, I really think that going it alone is so hard, provides such an uphill battle. 
and you will gain so much by working with someone who has been there who can help show you the way and also just I mean because quitting can feel so isolating so alone so having someone there who is with you showing you how to do it is really really going to make that journey a lot more pleasant a lot easier I mean you can I mean I I did a lot of it alone and I was just like trial and fail and uh, I mean a lot of that I mean, it ended up working for me, but going back, like, there's just so many mistakes that didn't have to be made and so much that could have been done better by working with someone who had who had already done it. Every Saturday afternoon, we open up our Tribe Sober Zoom Cafe. It's a safe space where our members can connect, check in, and just shoot the breeze about alcohol-free living. If you'd like to be a guest at the cafe one Saturday, just drop us an email at Janet at TribeSober.com. That's Janet, J-A-N-E-T, at TribeSober.com, and we'll send you an invitation. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. Well, like you, you know, I tried to do it alone for about 10 years, actually. I kept trying and failing, trying and failing and feeling um, like, you know, my self-esteem was on the floor because I thought, what's wrong with me? I've got no willpower. You know, you think it's some some personality trait. Because I, I was ashamed of my drinking, really. I was ashamed of having a problem because I was mixing with people, you know, including my husband, actually, who could just have one or two glasses of wine and, and forget, you know, finishing the bottle or opening another one, you know, that... And I thought, why can't I be like that? But because I was ashamed of it, I didn't really seek any help. And, you know, now that I obviously have been doing this work for a while, it's it's so obvious to me that community is everything. And connection is the opposite of addiction, basically. And it's it's a lonely, miserable life if you try and do it on your own, I think. So I'd agree, just reach out. The, the, first, help, the first step, really, isn't it, is it's to accept that you've got a problem and then reach out and get some help. And I think that's the hardest bit. Once you've done that, you know, it's, it's then practical stuff, isn't it? Practical tips like, you know, getting through difficult times. Oh, 100%. I mean, the, it, it, you, can, you can call that the first step, but it is such a monumental leap and shift because even, even I've seen it, I mean, I've seen it with friends too because there's even the leap of like, admitting like you have a problem and then there's like are you gonna do something about it mm. because so many people i mean they they're stuck in number two like they're like i have a problem and it's this like but i'm not gonna act yet i'm not gonna change anything yet and going going through those admitting you have a problem and then being willing to change from there it's just learning what works for you and it's yeah. it's trial and failure but it once once you are on the path of proactively working on it like it it is it is the long road up but it is uphill from there yeah and it's worth every step isn't it we know <laughs> one 100% so, Will, how can people uh, connect with you if they want to do a, a Zoom yoga class or learn about corporate yoga? Absolutely. Um, all of every everything I offer is on my website. It's willowandblack.com. My company is The Balanced Self, um, and you can find that on 
uh, Instagram, Facebook, everything at The Balance Self. So there you heard me talking to Will Black. Let's pick out a few highlights from that conversation. Now, for many of us, alcohol dependence creeps up on us over the years. We learn how to handle it and we convince ourselves that even if we are alcoholics, then we are functioning alcoholics. The problem is that it becomes such an integral part of our lifestyle that we can't really see clearly how much damage it's doing to us. Will's experience was completely different. From almost the first time he drank, it was apparent that he was going to develop a problem. Straight away, he started having blackouts, guilt, remorse, and lost some of his friends. He was sensible enough to realise that he would have to quit, but he had no idea how he was going to make that change, so he felt stuck. Unlike so many of us, he put those moderation rules in place. Unlike so many of us, he proceeded to break those rules. Will raised a very interesting point that I'd never thought about before. But many of us use alcohol to escape from our thinking, to to break free. But one or two glasses of wine won't actually get us to that place. So that's why we end up breaking the moderation rules. We agreed that when we get to the stage of wondering if we have a problem with alcohol, then the answer is almost certainly yes. Even if you're not drinking huge quantities of alcohol, if it's on your mind, then it's time to make a change and find peace. Of course, Will was worried that life without booze would be a kind of half-life, as he put it. No friends, no fun, no relationships. And he was so young that, of course, he felt he'd be missing out on life. However, he'd reached such a point that he accepted that he would have to stop drinking. He now realises it would have been easier if he'd found a community and connected with others on the same path. But Will tackled his problem alone. He watched videos and listened to podcasts and got inspired. And for him, the foundation to his sobriety was fitness and meditation. His first year was difficult. He felt awkward and weird at social events, as well as apologetic about the fact that he wasn't drinking. We agreed that we can't become recluses in early sobriety and that we must just plunge in and feel the awkward and do it anyway. Gradually it got easier for Will as sobriety became part of his identity and he's now proud of it. He explained how meditation can help us a lot in early sobriety. We learn to become an observer of our thoughts which can help when we're socialising. We can acknowledge that, yes, we do feel uncomfortable, but we can also be aware that we'll get through it. And we'll raise the interesting point that when we drink, we're trying to calm our mind. Sometimes it works, but there's always a big price to pay. Whereas meditation also calms our mind in a much more healthy way. When we quit drinking, we have to reconfigure our lives. We can't just leave everything the same or we'll always miss it. Yoga, meditation and physical activities are ideal as they'll reduce the dopamine deficit which hits us in early sobriety. Three years into sobriety and Will's life has never been happier or richer. He talked about the domino effect. Quit drinking and you'll start looking at all the other parts of your life which you will want to improve. 
And this is something that we've seen happen to many members of our community. You can find Will on Instagram. His handle is The Balanced Self and his website is willowenblack.com. He teaches yoga online, in person and at corporates. He's also a coach. Although Will got sober alone, it was an uphill struggle. With hindsight, he recommends connecting with a group who have experience of quitting the drink and are now thriving in their alcohol-free lives. Tribe Sober is one of those groups, and we've been changing lives for five years now. Why not check us out on tribesober.com? So that's it from me. Don't forget to post that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot of your review and DM it to Tribe Sober's Instagram page. That'll be your entry for our competition. Winner will be announced in a few weeks' time, so please enter right now before you forget. And the prize will be a free one-hour Zoom coaching session with our awesome recovery coach, Lynette. By the way, all new members have a session with Lynette, so if you want to be sure that you don't miss out, then just hit tribesober.com and join our tribe. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. See you next week. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard, it takes courage and grit, and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain, and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.